Welcome to the Death Panel. Today we have the whole crew, Phil, Vince, Artie, and myself, Beatrice. And we are joined by returning guest and friend of the panel, Kay Agbebee, who is an, I mean, Kay, you do everything, basically. You're an organizer, <laughs> a macro social worker, one of the co-creators of 8-2 Abolition um, and you always like, I mean, I love the way you put this. You like to say that your political home is with Survived and Punished New York, which is a national volunteer run organization that campaigns for prison abolition and to end the criminalization of survivors. Kay, welcome. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. It's good to be back. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like things are more settled than the last time when we talked. So <laughs> I'm excited. Um, so we we had you on, you and I sat down initially in June, right at the beginning of sort of the George Floyd uprisings, the, you know, protests that were breaking out all over the place. And we we were talking then about why you guys created a abolition and pushing against, you know, reforms. We wanted to have you back to have a conversation about what is going to sort of play out or what you hear your thoughts on, like the movement for abolition in the context of the upcoming Biden and Harris administration. You know, mm-hmm. Biden and Harris have won the election. Um, <laughs> they each have extensive histories with the criminal justice system, but not in a good way. And I think they're going to be pretty troublesome obstacles for um, both the health justice movement and the movement for abolition. And, you know, on top of that, Democrats have been pretty aggressively demeaning the left, blaming um, defund the police as sort of the reason they lost. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the, the most interesting thing is you guys did all of this really important work. Like it, it, back in the summer, were it not for some of the work that Aid to Abolition did, I feel like this really awful A Can't Wait narrative would have sort of permeated even more than it did this the idea that reformism was enough but now we have an administration that not only is like reformist but I'm curious what you make of like how we should deal with the fact that the main sense that if you watch like the Sunday shows uh, and and like a lot of political commentary at want to make of what happened in the election is that for some reason a lot of moderate politicians lost because of the demands that people were making uh, to not have this very uh, life degrading uh, system in this country. So like, I'm curious, like what, you know, do we just ignore those people as being historically irrelevant now? Or like, do we have, you know, essentially what, what's your sense of how to respond to that? I mean, it is difficult because I feel like over the summer we were able to bring a lot more people into our movement Um, And I mean, just the fact that people are even debating over defund the police, I mean, might be considered a win just because that's something that like previously, I don't even think that like would be popular enough to discuss. But logically, we know that like Democrats aren't losing or aren't like barely winning seats because of like defund the police, because that's a position that um, that's like the bar, like that's the bare minimum that abolitionists want. And they don't even embrace that. Um, so in order for them to be losing because of that, they would have to actually like be doing something that like actually aligned with that, that demand. (laughs) Um, I, sometimes I'm like, I think we should just ignore them. Um, just because like, I don't spend my time like debating with Democrats or debating with people who are like heavily invested in electoral work, um, because I find it to be a distraction. Um, so I'm kind of just like the people who are with us will be with us and, um, if it wasn't, if they weren't blaming defund the police, they would be blaming Black Lives Matter, like they did when um, 
a lot of protests took off a couple of years ago and then two police officers ended up getting shot completely mm-hmm. unrelated. Um, but BLM got blamed for that. So, I mean, if it's, I think that people are, it's easy to blame defund the police because um, before when they were trying to like blame Black Lives Matter, they had to deal with like accusations of racism. Um, and so maybe it's just easier for them to um, blame it on this like nebulous, like white anarchist led um, like <laughs> prison abolition movement um, <laughs> instead of actually, I don't know, like doing something to keep their seats. Right. I mean, in a way, it's kind of a, a good sign, like all of the right people are getting pissed off. That's you know very I mean? true already. Yeah. Well, it's but it's it's stop making the demand so that the shitty politicians can win and then not do anything that you want them to do. <laughs> Like the, it's, it's farcical. How dare even. you ask me to do anything? Right, exactly. It's Vote for yeah. me so that I may do nothing. Like, I, I mean, it's I think farcical. It's, if they were running on something like, oh, I don't know, like healthcare or meaningfully addressing the pandemic, maybe they would have been more successful. But well, and you, we even saw, and we, I think we talked about, um, Really, really briefly, but we haven't really t- addressed at length the fact that uh, to the extent that any, uh, you know, Democrat um, elected representatives or, you know, people like people in like local government, for example, have taken up um, defund the police. It's uh, immediately as, you know, not as it's like actual abolitionary um, intention, but has mm-hmm. was immediately spun towards like. Uh, we're going to defund the police. But what that actually means is, well, as in the case of Joe Biden's own, uh, <laughs> own pro- platform, actually, and his like uh, wonderful op-ed in like USA Today over the summer. Uh, when I say defund the police, well, I, obviously Biden's against defund the police, but saying like, <laughs> actually, uh, you know, we don't need to defund the police. What we should be doing is giving them 300 million extra dollars yes um to set up mm-hmm. additional programs because we all know that you know the more money that you pour into the policing of communities the uh the, the more safe everyone is right <laughs> no we uh you know not a not a single documented case of murder right Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. case. totally solid plan yeah i mean also it's yeah i mean the, the logic is like well we have to give them money to defund themselves right <laughs> who's going to defund them if we don't right how are they going to study how they will defund themselves without money to do that well see they need the money to hire McKinsey so McKinsey can put it back together (laughs) yeah there's always there's always a make work scheme for people who make slide decks uh involved in all of this right but like here but the thing that I think seems more insidious to me and maybe you can talk a little bit about this case like hello this is Daniel Beatrice's screen reader program. Support us at patreon.com slash death panel pod to hear the full episode and get access to patron only content with love the death panel.